The Bible does say that Jesus was pierced uh, for our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities, that He took the punishment uh, we deserved. And uh, today, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, um, we pray that you will come to know Him and experience His forgiveness and the eternal life that He will give you as a gift as you place your trust in the one who died for you, that you might live uh, for Him. I hope you picked up a uh, copy of the uh, sermon notes as you uh, were coming in or brought back your sermon notes from last week. Uh, Our current sermon series is Keys to Spiritual Growth. So uh, we're basically focusing on believers and what are the uh, keys that enable us to grow and mature in our relationship with Christ. And this morning, uh, we will complete the message that we began last Sunday on how to conquer uh, temptation. Now, if you'll look at your notes, you'll notice there are five major points. Uh, Last Sunday, we looked at the first three points, and this is very important. We looked at the first three points, which were presented, if you remember, as a homework assignment uh, that you were to complete uh, before coming back uh, this morning. So I trust many of you did that, but if you did not, uh, you still, of course, have that uh, opportunity. And if you missed last Sunday, I strongly encourage you to go to the church website, uh, edgewoodga.com. And uh, there at the website, uh, you can uh, either listen to or actually view a video Uh, of that uh, message that will go into much greater detail than I'm going to have the opportunity in this very brief review as we complete the message uh, today. Uh, So let's begin, uh, like I say, with a very brief uh, uh, review, uh, because I have this phase uh, three preview coming right behind me, so I'll have a a limited amount of time this morning. So if I'm going to conquer temptation, uh, the first thing is I must gain an understanding of my temptation. I must gain an understanding of my temptation. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11 reads, we don't want Satan to win any victory here, and well we know his methods. What we saw last Sunday is that the devil studies you, and he studies you to discover the temptation that you will be most susceptible to. And we are each different because of our various backgrounds and experiences, temperaments, uh, personalities. And the first assignment that I gave you was to literally write down the temptations that consistently defeat you. And then for each of those temptations you were to answer the five questions that you see there in your notes. And you were to do this in order to gain a better understanding of the devil's strategies, his methods in attacking you. Now, those five questions, number one, when am I most tempted? In other words, is there a particular day or a particular time of the day that I find myself most tempted in this particular area. Second question, where am I most tempted? In other words, are there certain 
places that when I am there, I just seem more vulnerable to this particular temptation. Who is with me when I am most tempted? In other words, are there individuals that when you're around them, it's just not a really good thing for you, and you find yourself compromising uh, your faith? The fourth question, what temporary benefits do I get when I give in to the temptation? We saw last week there is always a benefit in giving in to temptation. The Bible recognizes this. Hebrews 11.25 there in your notes. Enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. And the key word is fleeting. Sin provides temporary satisfaction, but with what? Long-term consequences. And the devil knows your desires. He knows your good and your evil desires. He knows what attracts you, what is appealing to you, and he offers satisfaction, but always either in the wrong way or at the wrong time or for the wrong motive. Temptation always involves a compromise of your love relationship with Jesus Christ. But never forget the, the bait that the devil dangles out in front of you only serves to hide the hook of sin and its consequences. Therefore, as we saw last Sunday, you have to get real honest. I'm talking about bru brutally honest with yourself, and you need to identify the bait that the devil uses to entice you. I mean, is it excitement? Is it pleasure? The need for security? Is it to be recognized by others, receive the applause of men, or to be accepted by others? Is it prestige, power, money? It could be a number of different things, but you need to identify that bait. And then that fifth and final question is, how do I feel right before I am tempted? See, it's important to know your emotional triggers that create a greater vulnerability to temptation. Is it when you feel tired or when you're stressed out, frustrated with life? Or is it when you're depressed or maybe lonely? Or is it when you just feel unloved or bored, discontented? Or it may be for you, it's when everything's going great and you let your guard down that you find yourself most vulnerable. So after you answer... Those five questions, to gain an understanding of your temptation, then you are ready to move to the second point, the second step there in your notes. Then you have to get honest. I have to get honest about my vulnerability. I have to get honest about my vulnerability. First, gain an understanding of my temptation and vulnerabilities, and then get honest about that in the following ways. Number one, I have to accept the fact that some things, for me, and this is a very personal thing, it's going to be different for each one of us, except the fact that some things cannot be looked at, read, or listened to without weakening control. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, we are to take what? Every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And you know there are certain things, if you expose yourself to them, it's going to lead you down that road to falling into temptation. Second, I have to avoid 
tempting situations, places, and people. Remember, going back to gaining an understanding of my temptation, one of the questions was, you know, where? You know, what are the types of situations? What are the, where, where are the places that I become more vulnerable? The, the people that when I get around them, I'm more susceptible. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 uh, says, Steer clear of evil in every form. It is much, much easier to steer clear of getting into a tempting situation than once in it to resist the full power of the temptation. Don't, in other words, don't start a fire you can't put out. Temptation is the one battle that you win by running away from it. Third, ask, am I willing to pay the consequences of yielding to this temptation? Remember, Sin provides temporary satisfaction, but long-term consequences. Galatians 6, 7, and this is written to believers. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. And then the fourth way to get honest about your vulnerability, I need to admit I need help. And seek encouragement and accountability from a friend or small group. James chapter 5, verse 16. You should get into the habit, and notice that word habit, of admitting your sins to each other. And praying for each other so that you may be healed. We talked about the fact last Sunday that if you cannot talk about a problem in your life, it is already out of control. But the moment you bring it out into the light, that is the first step that you have to take to gain the victory. Everyone, every believer needs a close Christian friend or to be involved in a small group of believers where they can be honest about their struggles and where they will find encouragement and accountability. And that's why we stress here at Edgewood, every single member of this church needs to be involved in a small group. You need to be involved in a Sunday school class. You ladies have the Titus II women's ministry. You men, we're about to start in May, as you know, a men's ministry where we're going to begin to meet in small groups on a monthly basis for this very purpose. And if you have not already signed up, let me know, call the church office, and we'll get you uh, involved in that. And there are other opportunities through the men's prayer group on Saturday morning. There are various Bible studies, discipleship groups, but every believer needs to be plugged in uh, to one of those small groups. You were never meant to live the Christian life solo. Uh, As we talked about last week, Christianity is not just about believing certain truths about Christ. It's about belonging to a family, and you need the family, and you need to be invested and involved. Next, we come to step three, and this is uh, sort of where we uh, concluded last week. I must then guard the condition of my heart. I must guard the condition of my heart. Now, this verse is not in your notes, but a great verse. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, above all else. Now, that's quite an opening phrase. Above all else, above everything else. Uh, Ken's going to be talking about priorities. With the Scripture saying, well, here it is. Number one, guard your heart. For it affects 
everything you do. See, true change comes from what? The inside out. That's why legalism, just focus on simple external rules and regulations, never produces Christian growth and Christian maturity. It's got to be an internal work that takes place through the power of the Holy Spirit as you cooperate with the truths of Scripture. Now, I ask you uh, this past week uh, to take the test that you see in your notes, a very simple test. Uh, in order to evaluate the condition of your heart. And you see it there. Uh, very simple test. Uh, take the first one. Uh, you know, you see physical exhausted on one side, energetic in shape on the other. So if you were saying, I'm just totally physically exhausted, you would put, what, a zero there. If you say, well, man, I feel really energetic, I'm in top shape, you would circle four. You go to the next one, discouraged, pessimistic. Over on the other side, encouraged, optimistic. So if you're saying, I'm at the pits of discouragement, I'm the eternal pessimist, you would circle zero. If you say, no, I'm very encouraged right now, I have a great outlook and perspective on life, four. So you go through that whole thing, and then I want you to add up all your points. So if you got, for example, if you put all fours, you would have a score of? 40, since there are 10 questions. If you've got all zeros, you would obviously end up with a zero. So you need to do the test, add up the points, and write down your score. Now, for those of you that did that, uh, let me just give you a little instruction right now. If you did the test and your total came to anywhere between 35 and 40, you're in pretty good shape right now. Uh, I just need to admonish you, be careful about pride. Because uh, before the fall comes what? Pride. So we want to make sure. Uh, one, for many of us, I already alluded to it, for many of us, we are most vulnerable to temptation when everything's going well. We have a tendency to let the guard down. So you always have to remain diligent in this area. If you scored, say, 25 to 35, my admonition is you need to be careful because you are probably far more vulnerable to temptation right now than you realize. If your score was between 15 and 25, you are in serious danger. And I mean that. You are in serious danger, and you are headed for a fall if you do not make some major adjustments. And then if you scored 15 or below, you are in a crisis right now. And you may not even know it. You need immediately to get to a trusted, mature Christian friend or a Christian counselor. You need someone helping you because you're not going to get through it alone. You know, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, this is in your notes, we read, don't give the devil a foothold. What is a foothold? A foothold is an area of your life where the devil gains control, and then from that vantage point, he attempts to gain more and more control. You know, it's like soldiers uh, trying to gain control of an island. You know, we saw this especially in World War II in the uh, Pacific Campaign as they went from island to island uh, trying to uproot uh, the uh, Japanese and gain control. What would they do? They would first establish a beachhead, a foothold, and from that vantage point they would keep pushing forward until they had captured the entire island. Now, all the negative emotions that you find there in the test, the negative emotions, those are the footholds 
that Satan gains in your life. And when you allow two or three of these negative emotions to gang up together, you are most vulnerable to the devil's attacks. And that is why you must know and guard the condition of your heart. Now, the last two points in your sermon notes instruct us on how to guard the heart. And look at the first uh, truth. I have to go to God in prayer for help. I have to go to God in prayer for help. Jesus said in Matthew 26, verse 41, Keep watching and praying, why? That you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Do you remember who Jesus said that to? He said it to the disciples. Do you remember where the disciples were when he said this to them? They were in the Garden of Gethsemane right before Jesus' betrayal and his, and his arrest. He knew these men were going to be tested, and he encouraged them to pray. He knew they were willing, but he knew they were also very, very weak in their own flesh. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I love this simple uh, little verse. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. Now, I wish I had more time, but I don't. But look at the next statement in your notes, which is so important to understand. Satan's number one goal in temptation is to cause me to lose confidence that I can go to God for help. So important for you to understand. In other words, his overall objective his greater goal is not just to get to fall for you to fall into sin but as you fall into sin that you will lose confidence in his grace you'll lose confidence in his love and mercy and you'll you'll be fearful to go to him for help thinking you do not deserve it any longer now how does he accomplish this three ways first guilt i mean when uh you're come under that temptation, especially when you fall under it, you, you begin, you know, how could I think? Or how could I do such a thing? And so you, you begin to get eaten up with guilt. And then next comes what? Frustration. Frustration. I keep failing in the same area. Just failing and failing. And then discouragement. It's the third thing. You, you begin to think, what's the use? I'm never going to change. You know, a great, great example of this, you know, I mean, if you want to turn there, you're welcome to, but is the Apostle Peter. Uh, in uh, Luke uh, chapter uh, 22, let me just read several verses. Uh, this is Jesus uh, speaking uh, to Peter uh, uh, before they went to the Garden of Gethsemane, there at the, uh, the Last Supper. And he says, Simon, Simon, uh, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But, but Peter, I've prayed for you. And notice how he prayed, that your faith may not fail. That was Christ's grave concern, that in Peter's failure and denial that his faith will fail. But Jesus says, I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail, and that once you've turned again, once you've repented, that you would strengthen your, your brothers. And then Peter responded, and he said to him, Lord, with you 
I am ready to go both to prison and to death. And then Jesus said to Peter, I say to you, Peter, the cock will not crow today until you have denied me three times. You will even deny that you know me. And matter of fact, it's interesting in the Gospel of Mark, it says at this point that Peter kept saying over and over again, he insisted. I mean, he boldly protested and he said, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And Mark adds, and every one of the other disciples said the same thing. Every one of them to a man. Every one of them. But of course, you know when Jesus was betrayed, what happened? Those men scattered. They were afraid to be associated with Jesus. And then what Jesus told Peter happened. Peter did deny him three times. And listen to the last denial from the Gospel of Luke. But Peter said, you know, he, they said, hey, you're one of his disciples. Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And matter of fact, again, going back to the Gospel of Mark at this point, it says, with this last denial, he began to swear. He began to curse. Again, violently, pro- I don't know this man. I've never seen this man. You, you got me confused with someone else. And then it says, and immediately... While he was still speaking, a cock crowed. And then don't miss this. How powerful. It says right at that moment. See, Peter, Jesus is arrested. They're, they're mistreating him. He's going through these mock trials. Peter is at a great distance, but Jesus is in eyesight. He's in, he's, he's in this outer court. And it says right at that moment, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he told him, before a cock crows, today you will deny me three times. And he, Peter, went out and wept bitterly. This was a man that was eaten up with guilt, a man eaten up with frustration, a man eaten up with discouragement. And his faith would have failed if it had not been for the faithfulness of Jesus. And you remember exactly what happened. Many of you will. Remember John chapter 21? It says that Peter, he was so discouraged, he just said, I'm just going back to fishing. I've blown it. I'm disqualified now from following Jesus, from being used of him. And so, you know, some of the other disciples went with him. The Bible says they fished all night, caught nothing. And then all of a sudden, there's this distant figure on the shore, yells out to them. Have you caught anything? No, no, we fished all night, haven't caught anything. Well, cast your nets on the other side. And of course, we know this was Jesus. And don't miss what Jesus was doing. This is so powerful. Jesus was literally recreating the miracle that he performed when he called Peter to be a fisher of men. Remember, it was Peter had fished all night, and and Jesus said, cast your net on the other side. He was sort of reluctant, but he says, at your word, I'll do it. And they caught this huge drought, and it says that Peter literally fell down on his face in the bow of that boat at the feet of Jesus, and he said, depart from me, for I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, don't fear, Peter. From now on, you'll be catching men. 
And Jesus just recreated that miracle. They caught it suddenly. Peter realizes this is the Lord. And the Bible tells us he literally jumps into the lake and he begins to swim to the shore. Now, why did Jesus recreate that first miracle? There was a message to Peter. Peter, you didn't do anything to win my love, and there's nothing you can do to lose my love. I love you, Peter. Your denial, your failure has not altered my love for you. Yes, I was grieved. Yes, I was hurt. Yes, disappointed, but I love you. And then he did confront him on the denial. He denied him how many times? Three times. And you remember what he asked Peter three times? Peter, do you love me? Three times. He was confronting Peter with that denial. And then it's amazing. Remember what Jesus said in Luke 22? He said, and after you've repented, he says, I want you to strengthen the brethren. And then in John 21 Three times, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? And then he turns to Peter and said, Peter, feed my lambs. You're still mine, Peter, and I'm going to use you for my honor and my glory. And, you know, I can, I can relate to that. Um, I, I remember uh, I shared with you all last week uh, uh, how I came to know Christ out of a great life of sin, rebellion. And I remember about four months after my conversion, I had a very significant fall in my Christian life. And I'll, I'll never forget the depths of that guilt, frustration, and discouragement. I, I remember actually falling on the floor, asking God to take my life, literally, because this was my thought. I said, Lord, it's, it's obvious, I, you know, I, I know you love me, but it's obvious there's just something wrong with me. And if you would just take my life, then no one will know about my failure. No one, uh, I won't discredit you. I won't shame you. And, of course, it's obvious he didn't answer my prayer. I'm here this morning. Uh, and, and, and I went through a very similar experience that, that God took Peter through, where God had to show me, Andy, there's nothing that can alter my love for you. Yes, you've grieved me. Yes, you've disappointed me. But my grace is there for you. And we must all learn that. I'm going to have to end right here, so I'll have to pick up maybe that last point at the next message, but look at that last verse, um, uh, Hebrews 4, 15, and 16. And, and listen, before I read this verse, let me just leave you with this, because we all struggle, right, in our humanity. Just because you lose a battle doesn't mean you've lost the war. And see, Satan wants to make you believe if you lose a battle, you've lost it all. Don't buy that lie. Just because you lose a battle doesn't mean you lost the war. Learn from the failure is what God would tell you. Learn how to lean on me, depend on me. Gain a greater understanding of your temptation, of your vulnerabilities. Practice these things we've talked about. But look at this great verse. This is from the Phillips Version. Matter of fact, I think the Phillips Version is a, one of the greatest translations of the New Testament. It's one that most people are not familiar with, but it's a wonderful translation. And he, he wrote this, uh, his translation of Hebrews 4, 15, 16. For we have no superhuman high priest to whom our weaknesses are in unintelligible. He himself has shared fully in all our experience of temptation except that he never sinned. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with fullest confidence that we may receive mercy for our failures and grace to help in the hour of need. Amen.
Bow with me in prayer. Father, thank you for, uh, I trust what has been wonderful practical truth uh, on how to conquer temptation. And Lord, we still have that one last point that we're going to need to look at. Uh, But Father, uh, thank you for the truth we've already seen. Give us grace to uh, appropriate it, put it into practice in our lives. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.